0: This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by Nobody, because advertisements suck.
1: The Minimalists. (laughs) Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Ryan Nicodemus is on vacation, but fear not. I'm here with nonprofit CEO Sheila Moravati. Sheila, thank you for being here today. Thank
2: you for having me. This is great.
0: Well, you know, today, you know, we're going to talk about waste. We're going to talk about all the ways in which we are wasteful. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd start by maybe you could talk to me about Habits of Waste, your organization.
2: Yeah, so Habits of Waste was born after I spearheaded the first uh, plastic straw and cutlery ban in history, which was in the city of Malibu, and it was really after... um, a huge organization I started initially called the Crayon Collection, and people were so confused about why I was doing straws and crayons that I said, okay, I've, go- I've got to start another charity called Habits of Waste because it was all-encompassing. Uh-huh. Um, my work really began um, through my background in sociology and understanding how human behavior is you know, kind of malleable in the masses. Um, I kept going to restaurants with my daughter and noticing every single table around me would get crayons and they'd get thrown in the garbage. And I kept wondering, why are we doing this? This is such bizarre behavior where there's so many kids who have none, none at all. So I started the crayon collection where I asked restaurants to collect the crayons kids left behind, as well as families who had a ton of crayons at home and didn't know what to do with them. And I would pair them with an Uh, underserved Title I or Head Start school within five miles so that they could benefit from the crayons. And then we started a whole art education program by challenging artists to create project ideas using just crayons. So that was really the start of my whole work that led into Habits of Waste. And then it was in those restaurants that I saw the plastic straws and wondered, no one asked for those. We're just getting, you know, there's an imposition on us about stuff coming our way and we didn't even ask for it. So I thought we had to do something, and the city of Malibu, to me, was the most iconic beach city in the world. So there you have it.
0: Yeah. Well, so so uh, by the way, if you want to learn more about the Crayon Collection, it is crayoncollection.org. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And we're going to dive deeper into habits of waste. Uh, I do want to talk to you about that, but it's fascinating. I worked in a restaurant for four or five years throughout high school and, and, and thereafter a little bit, and uh, washing dishes, bussing tables and waiting tables. But busing tables, especially, I was responsible for creating a lot of the waste. Now, of course, I didn't even think about it at the time either. This is just what we do. We hand out crayons, often when they don't even ask for them. It's just like, let's pacify some people. Mm-hmm. Of course, we hand out plastic straws. This is Dayton, Ohio in the 90s. So yeah, it was plastic everything and, and styrofoam everything even uh, to go. and And we just created all of this waste, but I didn't think about it at all. And I think maybe the message that I want to talk about with you today is maybe it's just a question to start with. Why don't we even think about it? Why do we take all of this for granted and, and not realize you know, what we're doing to the rest of the world?
2: I think there's, there's a, an element of Uh, daily behaviors that get ingrained so deeply and so deep rooted that they become normal. And I use normal lightly because in my opinion, there's really no such thing as normal. We create what normal is. And so my job is to highlight what it is that we're doing wrong that's normal now. And most of the time, what's beautiful about it is that people believe strongly that the new ideas I might have are better and they're not, you know, even opposed to it. It's just a matter of seeing it and then you can't unsee it. And that's when the change happens.
0: I think normal has become unintentional in many ways. When when something is normalized, we, we just, we take it for granted. We act as though it's always been that way. It's a tradition, even though it's lasted for five, 10, 50 years, it's not, it's not this, uh, um, cultural imperative that has lasted throughout all of humanity and yet because we grew up with it we we just assume that it's always supposed to be this way. We've got some uh, questions here from our audience. I thought we'd go ahead and dive into those. Our first one is from Rachel in St. Louis, Missouri.
3: Sometimes I'm at odds with what to do with the things that I want to get rid of especially clothing. Um, I have a hard time sometimes giving to goodwill and Salvation Army and places like that. Because I know that any of their surplus sometimes, well, most likely ends up in other countries and messes up with their own economies. And I wanted to know if you have any suggestions for your listeners on where they can give their stuff to people in need. If there's places that they can look for in their own cities and towns that um, would actually benefit the people locally instead of abroad.
0: So, Sheila, this this is a fascinating question because... I think a lot of people deal with this. Obviously, you know, they, they regret the stuff they have now, or maybe the stuff was even useful for a period of time. It's no longer serving a purpose. It's no longer bringing them joy. And they don't want to put it in a storage locker in perpetuity. And so, what do they do with it? And quite often, the answer is well, I guess I'll go to Goodwill, or even worse, I'll go to like the gas station. There's these little bins where you can throw clothes in there. And we're not really sure where it goes. It's just this this hole that we take our stuff to. Mm-hmm. And I can understand the concern because it's not serving a purpose now, but she wants the stuff to maybe add value to someone else's life. What do you recommend to people like this? I mean, I, I know of a few resources that I've recommended in the past, but I'd love to know what you think about what people should do with their unwanted stuff.
2: Well, I have to say my new favorite thing to do with myself, my kids, is to go shopping at vintage clothing stores. And one of the best ways in, in, in kind of creating that um, beautiful array of choices is to consider selling your your clothing that you don't need anymore to companies like RealReal. Um, they'll give you the money for it. And I think that the money that I, I receive for most of my stuff, I give it back to larger charities that then are able to serve the population with many things. So it's almost like, uh, sometimes that really special pair of Levi's jeans might be worth way more money that you can make a bigger impact with by donating it to the charities that are out there to support you know, vulnerable families with the clothing and the needs that they might have. So I think there's a lot of value sometimes in the items that we have held on to for so long that the, the dollar amount might actually do more good. And then you're supporting a whole new industry that actually... I think is something that the future of environmentalism is going to really be uh, digging into is that vintage clothing, secondhand shopping, you know, don't buy new kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I love that.
0: Yeah, my, my wife and I there's a vintage shop we went to in Atwater Village, maybe I don't know a couple of years ago now, and I was just shocked by some of the pricing that 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 these items demand and it's because it is something that is vintage that someone wants of course don't get caught up in the sunk cost fallacy you may have paid a hundred dollars for a dress that is worth next to nothing now and it's probably better to let it go uh, if you can't sell it. You know, my personal rule is a 30-day rule. If I'm unable to sell something, now I like the the uh, the the consignment shop because uh, Real Reels is, is, is a, a, a consignment, a shop, consignment yeah. shop, right? And some
2: things aren't that expensive there too, by the way.
0: Right, right. And and what I found is that you know even if I'm selling a piece of furniture or whatever, quite often consignment tends to be the best option because you're outsourcing that to someone else than if I were to just get on Craigslist or eBay. I know for the longest time. If anything was, I thought, worth more than $20, I would try to sell it on eBay, especially when I was trying to get out of debt because I, I wanted to to get the money that I could from these resources I was no longer using so I could apply it to this debt and I could experience some, some freedom there. But by, by letting go of the stuff, eventually, I realized that a lot of the things I, I couldn't sell at all. And so um, the resource that I often use, if you're unable to sell it, or if a consignment shop won't take it, there's a website called donationtown.org. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. But um, uh, it's a you just go to the website and it will find local charities. Some of the big ones, of course, are going to be mentioned there like Goodwill, Salvation Army or whomever. But uh, I found a lot of local charities where I've been able to donate stuff, even things like mattresses where you it's really hard to Get rid of a mattress usually, but they'll use them for uh, for people who really need a mattress, or you know, furniture, or, or different appliances, even clothes. You can go to do- DonationTown org. You can even fl- find places that will that'll pick up. Um, uh, larger items from from your house, depending on what area you're in. You can do a sort of zip code search there. And I think that'll that'll help you out a a lot, Rachel.
2: One more thing I can also add is a lot of the schools that we've served in the past, the families there, there are many families who are homeless actually. And if they're under this Title I kind of bracket, many of the families are living under the poverty line. So the principals of those schools tend to accept things. So in your local area um, at crayoncollection.org, we actually have a school finder where you just enter the zip code and you can go in and find either a Head Start school or a Title I school and you can contact them and they will most of the time take almost everything that wow. you've got. Um, it's, there's so much need out there, it's unbelievable. But if, yeah, like, like you said, if the good stuff gets sold, take the money and donate it to the charities that can then do more with it. But if it can't sell it and it's something that, you know, you can donate locally, I highly recommend checking out your title One school's nearby.
0: When my mother passed, uh, it was my first foray into, to minimalism and, uh, a lot of her things I, I knew I couldn't sell. It just, they weren't worth anything, and so I was able to donate those to friends and family locally. But there were a few things I was able to sell, and I took that money and gave it to the two charities that help mom through her, her chemo and radiation treatments. And so you know, paying it back or paying it forward in a way to, to help other people in need. Yeah, I think that's really important. And the school thing, it's it's a need we don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but of course it would make sense that they have the means to redistribute there to people who are actually in need. So it's not just going somewhere that's gonna be stored in a warehouse forever. Rachel, I'm gonna send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection, and it really talks about being intentional. One of the essays in there is about clothing. It's called The uh, Favorite Clothes of a Minimalist, but it really talks about being intentional with the things we bring into our life, because then we have fewer things we have to try to sell or let go in in the future if we're really intentional about with, with what we bring into our lives so we'll send you a copy of essential if you want the ebook or the audiobook version those are the most sustainable versions Mm -hmm. i think you would argue um then uh, we'll be happy to send those to you also if you want the print book uh, we're happy to send that to you as well rachel thanks for your question carolyn in toledo has a question
3: one issue i'm having is receiving physical junk mail and i'm hoping for some suggestions i'd rather prevent the junk mail from coming but I also don't think I should waste my precious time emailing and calling companies to ask to be removed from their lists over and over again. So I'm kind of at a loss here. Here's what I've already tried. I went to my local post office and spoke with a person who basically put off my request not to receive the flyers or items uh, addressed to quote current resident. I reasserted myself saying that I wanted to register a request in writing and was told that the conversation that we were having was all that could be done. That I was registering a complaint simply by talking to him, even though he didn't even know my name and wouldn't take my name or address. He basically indicated that the post office gets paid to shuffle around junk. So I get the impression that they will not stop. So I've taken to writing the words refused, returned to sender on junk mail and putting it back in my outbox. We'll see how it goes. So my question at this point is twofold. One, how do you prevent junk mail from arriving? And two, if it does arrive, how do you handle it?
0: So, Sheila, I've I've done some things rather aggressively on this front. I'm not sure what you've done. I'd love to hear about it. But talk about wasteful. We get so much junk mail. I know whenever I move, especially, it's like the mailboxes are just teeming with a bunch of things that no one ever really asked for. But it is probably the thing that strangely keeps the post office operating. I don't know what percentage, but it's probably upwards of 90% of their volume is what you and I would perceive as junk mail, either credit card offerings, catalogs we never wanted, direct mailers, etc. So let's, let's talk about this. She has two questions here. How do you prevent it? And then how do you handle it if it does show up? What do you do in your life?
2: Well, there's a website and I have to give you the website name. I think I probably have it here. uh, Okay. This is from
0: our website. If you go to theminimalists.com slash day 15, we're probably talking about the same thing, but this is the direct marketing association, uh, dmachoice.org. But they stop the catalogs and the junk mail I won't say immediately, but it's they stop eighty-five to ninety percent, ninety percent of it pretty quickly.
2: Good, yes. So that was going to be my first suggestion is okay. to get in there and um, communicate. But the other thing is, like, for a period of time, I was getting like a almost like a yellow pages size book from Restoration Hardware, yeah. and I never asked for that. And I kept on asking, just like you know, this person just called and saying like it's my you know, it's my life that I'm spending my time calling and saying please don't send me this. But believe it or not, if you take a picture of that and post it on social media and tag the company mm-hmm. and say, I don't want this anymore, or this is so wasteful, pass it on. I think that they are they're listening out there. Those big companies do not want that kind of exposure, but we need to also communicate what the end user like us appreciates or doesn't, yeah. and really make it clear. And I think that if enough people were to start doing that, they're gonna have to start thinking differently. Um, I don't receive the restoration hardware book anymore, so I think that that worked.
0: Right. By the way, they don't want to send it to you if you absolutely don't want it anyway. It costs them a lot of money to be able to send that big, thick book if you hate it and they know it's just going to be a piece of trash. Not only do they have to pay to print the thing, they have to pay to ship it to you. And if it's creating a poor customer experience, they don't want to do that.
2: I totally believe in consumers like us speaking up because in in all in all honesty we are the ones that have the power it's just that many of us forget that we actually have the power
0: yeah well carol i'm going to give you one other website here it's optoutprescreen.com that prevents the major credit card bureaus from sending you uh, solicitations basically. So both of these websites, I believe they require some identity verification last time I did it. So you, you can't just go on there and you, you have to prove that you are you so you can opt out from these catalogs and these junk mail offers. It doesn't eliminate 100%, but the second part of our question is, how do you handle it when they show up? Well, I use an app for this. It's called Paper Karma and it has been great. And I think it costs maybe 99 cents a month, but it's like the best dollar I spend a month. So anytime I do get junk mail, which is less, much less than it was before because of dmachoice.org and optoutprescreen.com, um, anytime I get junk mail, I just open the app, I take a a photo of it. I don't even have to do anything. I take a photo, hit enter, and it it automatically unsubscribes me from that piece of paper. uh, And that company no longer sends me stuff. So I'm not getting stuff from Capital One. I'm not getting the current resident things anymore. It's been really helpful. So Paper Karma, I would encourage you to check that out. And uh, for your question, thank you so much, Carolyn. I'm going to send you a copy of my favorite book of ours. It's called Everything That Remains. It's a memoir about when Ryan and I first embraced minimalism, the five-year journey from being these suit-and-tie corporate guys to becoming the minimalist. It's my favorite thing we've ever done. If you like our podcast, I think you'll really like the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. Or if you want, we'll send you the ebook or the book-book version of that book. Monica in Redlands, California has a question for us.
3: I work in TV production, and we're always having new technology coming in. So I'm always having this old technology that has cost us thousands of dollars, but I don't know what to do with it. Um, I have old wires, old USBs. I have a whole storage area. So I would love to know how do I bring my minimalist lifestyle to my workplace? I'm a head of a department, and I don't know what to do with all this old junk. Yeah, it's old technology no one uses it, but we spent thousands of dollars on it. It's hard to just donate it or do like an e-waste donation.
0: So Monica's question here is a little bit. We, we touched upon the sunk func- the sunk the sunk cost fallacy um, a moment ago, and yes, maybe some of this TV equipment cost thousands of dollars before, but the iPhone one cost you a thousand dollars a decade ago, and it's worth functionally nothing now, right? But it doesn't mean that we should be irresponsible with the things that we wanna get rid of. Is there something you recommend specifically to people who have electronics that they, you don't wanna just throw them in the trash, obviously?
2: The first thing that comes to my mind is my son actually. And he is um, 10 years old and he is just dying to expose himself to any electronics that he can. And he wants to open everything up and learn about it and take it apart. So because of COVID, we've, we've been able to get this really great computer, I'm sorry, not computer science, um, mechanical engineer student from UC Santa Barbara who he, he can't go to school now. So he comes over and they take stuff apart oh, wow. and they look at it and they learn from it and they build new things and um, I really feel like there's a huge market right there like a little business a little side thing where these kids can learn and go in and basically take stuff apart and students in high school and in college and all these places those those are kind of like gems for them you know those older things and I just think it's such a learning opportunity right there these kids go nuts for it and what they're creating out of these
0: older pieces is just mind-blowing yeah I remember uh, that age in particular somewhere around nine ten eleven like I just wanted to take things apart yeah. and, and and there's there's something innate uh, that, that we want to like dive into the thing and so there's a lot of opportunity there you know at age forty now I, I, it's not something that I'm as as keen on doing right but it's something that that I think is really fascinating to kids now of course if you have this stuff and you want to get rid of it, you can't find someone somewhere to take it. You don't know where to take it. I think the EPA has a good resource on this. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Sean, I sent you the, the link this morning, but they have basically a bunch of different centers and places you can take your different electronics and it lists even by by brand. So I don't know what brand these are, but say you had a bunch of Xerox copy machines. it gives you instructions on where you how you can contact Xerox or different places that that Xerox machines would be taken. Uh, And you can figure that out locally. So I think if you have electronics, and, and obviously, we don't just want to throw them away. Um, If you can find a place that that recycles batteries, you know, I know, like local Best Buys and things like that recycle batteries, the building we're in actually recycles batteries. So anytime I, I have extra batteries from home that we end up using, they, they recycle them here. And um, yes, it's much less convenient than just throwing them in the trash, but it's a much better thing to Please do. don't throw them in the trash. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we'll put a link to that EPA. Uh, EPA.gov site and uh, in the show notes, I think, uh, I think you'll find some value in that, but other people will as well. If you have electronics that you want to donate, And Monica, also, the other thing I'm I'm gonna talk about here, since we're talking about electronics, is Ryan and I have something called the upgrade rule, or what you might call the don't upgrade rule. Because one of the ways that we create a bunch of electronic waste is what? We just, we feel, the constant impulse, the tug to always buy the new thing, even if the old thing is still working perfectly fine. And yes, I, I know there's sort of planned obsolescence in there, but even without that, we see the commercial, we see the billboard and oh, I, I, I must have the new iPhone 13 or 14 or whatever it is now when my iPhone 6 is working just fine. And and so uh, I'm going to send you a copy of our minimalist rule book. It's uh, 16 rules for living with less. One of those rules is the don't upgrade rule. And we talk about, there are three options that you, you can do whenever you feel that that impulse to to upgrade. And by the way, that just came out as an audio book as well. The ebook is free. If you go to theminimalists.com slash rule book, or if you want the audio book, you can find it there as well. All right, I'm gonna move on to our lightning round. Now, Sheila, this is where we answer readers or listeners text messages. They text their questions to 937-202-4654. And those texts go to both Ryan's and my phone. And occasionally we answer them just via text message. We also also, uh, answer some questions here on the podcast. And we reply to as many people as we can. We obviously can't get to everyone. But during the lightning round, here's what we try to do. We try to answer questions with a short shareable, less than 140 character response. Okay. But not really. We can ponder on a bit, and we'll we'll, Sean will tweeze out something beautiful and pithy that we can uh, we can uh, share on social media if you like. Carlos has a question for us: What are my recycling options if I live in a city without a robust recycling program? And some examples here: Las Vegas, where where Carlos lives; uh, Missoula, where I used to live, Missoula, Montana. They had a terrible recycling program. In fact, I wondered if they were just throwing it away and, and and calling it recycling it was a they didn't recycle glass they hardly recycled anything um and so it was just difficult i guess the the co- because missoula is so remote the cost of recycling there it didn't make sense financially for a for-profit business and i'm interested to hear what you have to say on this because um oh another place i live phillipsburg montana which is truly in the middle of nowhere you basically had to take your own trash to the trash dump. There was no recycling center anywhere within 100 miles of where I was. Now, that, that is a, a, a remote place. Well, let's take that off the table, but for smaller places or even places like Las Vegas that don't have a robust recycling program, what do you recommend to people?
2: Well, first of all, why doesn't Las Vegas have a robust recycling program is my question. Yes, That's what I'd like to know. And I think that that's where my mind goes is like, go to your city council meeting, start talking, speak up. That should change right away. Um, Las Vegas is not a small town in Montana, like you just described. So there's really no reason for that, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but that's just the way that I think immediately is that that change needs to happen and the ball needs to start rolling right there. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost. Secondly, if we're talking about plastics, unfortunately, to me, plastic recycling is like a big old farce. It's not even
0: happening. Oh wow.
2: Um, we're at nine percent right now, and some say it's really three percent. So many no, times. No. Can I
0: kind of just stop you there? When you say we're at nine percent. Is that 9% of the, say, we, we take 100 plastic bottles and put them in the recycling? Only nine of them are being recycled? Yes, correct. Why is that?
2: Just because there's, um, like you said, there's so much, first of all, there's a million plastic bottles being thrown away per minute in America alone. So that is a massive, massive quantity, A. And B, um, it's not like cans and and glassware that actually when you recycle it, it comes out just as good as new. Mm. It degrades so much that it's just not worth it. So uh, many times people feel this like, a uh, sense of kind of like comfort i'm going to drink this drink in my plastic water bottle i'll put it in the recycling bin and it'll get recycled but it's not it's actually not so we we really don't believe in recycling uh, plastic at Habits of Waste. We believe in refusing plastic mm. altogether. Yes. Um, we just don't think that it's even worth attempting to recycle plastic. So it's not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to make change unless you just refuse it. Yeah. And that's not even talking about the clamshells and cutlery and all that stuff that's definitely not going to get recycled
0: yeah let's talk about that so so with the straws in particular that that was a thing that was near and dear to your heart obviously it's a piece of plastic you're not anti straw you're anti-plastic straw you can have metal straws and and you're totally fine with that um i, I assume uh but but there are there are options for us we are allowed to say no to some of these things and i think again this is something we don't Think about mm-hmm. upfront. We're we're able to say, N- you know what? No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to accept that. I- I'm going to say no to it. And by the way, if the business that you're you're buying from refuses you, then you can refuse to do business with them. We get to vote with our with our wallets.
2: That's right. And I really think the mindset shift is right there. It's like. Instead of thinking of so much about recycling, how can we stop it from the beginning? How can we just, you know, turn off the tap and and, and not even have this problem is is my goal, really.
0: Yeah. Well, that actually that, that dovetails perfectly into my pithy answer here. The most sustainable purchase is the one that's left on the shelf. And I think quite often we don't think about that. It's like, well, do I... Do I get the this plastic thing or this plastic thing? Which 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 one's better for the environment? Neither. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, and what can I do now? Uh, of course, there are things now. You you may have plastic in your home and it's unfortunate, you have a bunch of plastic maybe you wanna get rid of. And it's one of the reasons that I really dislike places like the container store, for example, uh, because it does two things really wrong, I think. Uh, It's, one is, I I think organizing is just well-planned hoarding. So it doesn't actually deal with the problem of consumerism and overindulgent consumption. But second, it creates all this additional waste, plastic waste Mm -hmm. uh, as well. And so it's this, this, I get it. Uh, I understand the need to want to be organized, but that's probably not the best route to take. The best way to organize your stuff is to is to let go of most of it. And the best way to let go is, of course, not to bring it in in, in the first yeah, place. You that see we-
2: these beautiful pantries on Instagram of like different snacks and this and that. And it's literally a glorific- glorification of plastic. You know, all that packaging, all those plastic bins. Like let's rewind and just get back to like the core problem. Why are we buying all those Prepackaged individual snacks, a to put in a plastic container. B, mm. you know, let's like again, let's start from the beginning. Can we do things differently altogether?
0: Yeah. And, and so, so how do we do things differently? What are some of the old alternatives when instead of saying, well, of course it's gonna be really difficult to get to zero plastic. You're not advocating an all or nothing strategy. It's about a radical reduction in the amount of plastic we let in, but how do we do that? What are the alternatives?
2: Buy in bulk, number one. You know, Rather than buying individual packaged bags of chips for your kids' lunches, maybe, I'm, I understand we're all human beings, we love those goodies. Get one big one and then use reusable containers to divvy it up. You get so much less waste that way. Um, that's just one example. Another one is it's really fun to try and make recipes like your own granola, your own bars, your own fruit leathers. Um, there's a lot of opportunities right now, especially since many people are still at home, to create uh, recipes that are just fun to do with your kids and you just create them with so much less waste.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about our home and we we have some, you know, glass containers reusable. I think the key to the reusables is actually reusing them because uh, sometimes good intentions are I'm going to buy these reusable things, but it's actually worse for the environment if you buy something and then you just, don't reuse it. You end up throwing it away or discarding it relatively quickly. Can you talk about that? I we have
2: some jars. Like you said, I buy like pickle jars or some different pickles or whatever it is, like a glass jar. And those are my to-go containers. So I leave them in my car if I'm going to a restaurant and I'll take them in and I'll refill them with the food that I would have otherwise asked for a to-go box and it's going to be either polystyrene or plastic or even aluminum with a plastic lid or if I have leftovers at home and I want to pass it out to like friends and family I fill those up and I pass it out like that mm. and they can continue living just you know constantly I might make a green juice at home and fill those jars up with with the juice so it it is so beautiful to go and buy these amazing bottles and this and that you don't really need to your my water bottle is a tomato sauce jar actually. And it's a beautiful bottle. It's a company called Mooty. And I tagged them. And I was like, you know, these can be really great water bottles afterwards. So they start reposting. And you know, it, who said a water bottle needs to be branded to you as a water bottle?
0: Yeah. By the way, just thinking about that term branding, you know, it, it's, uh, I think of branding as a pejorative. I don't want to wear a bunch of logos on my clothes. It's free average. I paid someone for the privilege of advertising on my body or aren't we doing the same thing with these fancy sports bottles or whatever. And in, in, in a weird way, we're trying to indicate something about ourselves, who we are as a person through this, this brand. But of course th- it, we can never accomplish that. I think the last thing I want, want to, to touch on with Carlos's question here is I think it, it may even seem overly simplistic to say, but the less we consume, the less waste we produce. And, and I, I want to think about that because as a minimalist, environmentalism was not a, a the, the primary objective for me when we first started simplifying, but it was this beautiful byproduct of consuming less stuff. There was less packaging, less waste, less things to donate or throw away or try to sell. It, it was... I mean, it was maybe uh, the, the the best unintended benefit of, of living with less.
2: I mean, to be really honest with you, my goal is to do what you guys do and and empty my house of all the stuff that I've accumulated over the years. But I started to buy less from, you know, maybe a few years back but I still can't figure out like what to do with a lot of the stuff. So I find myself finding solutions as I go and that's how I reduce what I have in, in my you know, possession now. But the goal is to get to the place where you're at already. So good for you. All
0: right, before we get into our listener tips and our added value segment today, it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week like, do paper straws really help? Are solar panels bad for the environment? Is there a checklist? for greener living. Plus, we've got questions about digital waste. We've got questions about food waste. We've got questions about regulation versus personal responsibility and environmentally friendly brands and clothing and composting and a million more questions about waste for Sheila. And if you want to hear all that, Subscribe to our Maximal episodes on The Minimalist's private podcast. It's a completely separate podcast, and it's the most honest way for The Minimalists to earn an income because we don't believe in advertisements. By the way, if you're not a private podcast subscriber, you're literally missing two-thirds of our show. Let me talk to you about this for a second. I know that money can be tight right now, but we spend exorbitant amounts of money on, on random things. We waste our money on things that don't give us commiserate value. Uh, we'll, we'll spend three bucks for a cup of coffee. We'll spend 10 bucks on a meal that wasn't that good. It's just money here, money there, everywhere we go. But, We want to provide a value, a service to you that you're going to value. It's worth way more than the $2 that it costs. It keeps this podcast 100% advertisement free, but it's really the second two thirds of the show, but it's also a private podcast, which means it's a private space for Ryan and I and our guests. We really work out a bunch of different ideas. We're able to talk about things we don't talk about in public. And if you haven't tried it out I'll just say this. You're missing out. Try it out for a week. Try it out for a month. Listen to our private podcast, theminimalists.com slash support. That way you can get a personal link if you subscribe. It'll play in your favorite podcast app. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Overcast or Feedly or any of these other places where you listen to podcasts, you get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your, in your favorite podcast app. And By the way, these are longer episodes, they're deeper dives, and it just gives us the private space that we need to mess up without doing so in public. I think you'll enjoy these conversations a lot. By the way, I would encourage you to start with, when you subscribe, we give you our our 12 most popular episodes there, a list of those. But there was one recently that I really enjoyed. It was called Yes Is More, and I would encourage you to check out that episode, that's a great place to start. It was just me and Ryan, but man, that conversation flowed. The Patreon comments on that were phenomenal. Oh, by the way, you also get access to our entire Patreon community there where you interact with over 5,000 other supporters of the podcast. You get to answer questions. You get to talk to each other. We interact with you there. That is the main place where Ryan and I interact with other people. Yes, you can text us or tweet us or whatever, and we get back to some of you when you do that. But, on Patreon, we respond to everyone because this is our core audience. These are the people that really support what we do. They get what we do. They give us the space that we need to produce this podcast and make it meaningful for others. And I wish you could hear some of these Patreon episodes, these private podcast episodes, and you can. It's just a couple bucks and you'll get way more than your $2 worth. So thank you so much if you are a Patreon supporter. We appreciate it. If you want to become a supporter, theminimalists.com slash support. All right, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners.
3: Hi, this is Molly from Salt Lake City. I'm calling with a tip regarding managing collecting impulse. One strategy I have used is to make friends with people who share the same hobby or collection and do regular exchanges with them so you get the thrill of having a new item but
2: then when the thrill wears off you just return it to the other owner and you can get
1: another new item when you get it back.
3: Hi this is Tara from Seattle and I was just
2: calling um, in reference to Molly when she was talking about her trophies Uh, One cool thing that I did was I took all the little nameplates off and I kept them all like in a scrapbook. Uh, You could do that or you could even put them in a shadow box with your medals or just set them up and take a really cool picture and then keep that. Otherwise, chuck the trophies and, you know, just enjoy the memories, but let them go.
0: All right, y'all. Thanks again to Sheila for joining us today. I encourage you to check out her organization. It is called Habits of Waste. You can find it at habitsofwaste.org. Also the Crayon Collection, crayoncollection.org. Check that out. She talked about that at the top of the episode. Follow them on social media. Howl Changes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Howl Changes. So Habits of Waste. Howl Changes on all the social media platforms. For our added value segment this week, there's a new single by our friend Canyon City. It is a phenomenal song. It is called Wishlist. I think we're going to end this episode with it with his permission. Although if you're watching on YouTube, you'll probably hear every little thing. But we'll put a maybe we can put a link to it in the show description Jordan. Uh, This new song is called Wishlist. The the reason I thought of it for this episode is he filmed it. It's a beautiful video. So if you get a chance check out the video on YouTube. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But speaking of environmentalism or lack of waste, he filmed this and one of the most beautiful places in America, in Colorado, and it's stunning. It looks like an environmentalist's dream. He's just out there in the middle of the forest playing his guitar with babbling brooks and giant pine trees, and it's a beautiful video for a beautiful song. So I hope you enjoy that. Canyon City's new single, "Wish List," which I believe is part of an EP that will be coming out later this year. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. So I want to give you a free ebook. It's called 11 ways to write better. Now we are all writers. Now you might write corporate emails. You might want to write a book. You might write tweets or text messages, but we are all writers. And maybe you're aspiring to do something better with that writing. Well, I want to give you 11 tips for free. It's over on my website, how to write That will also take you to the class that I, I teach two or three times a year called how to write better. It's closed right now. Uh, we usually accept about a hundred students at a time, currently going through a, a class right now. But when that opens back up, if you're interested, you can get on the email list. But if not, you can still get the free ebook. It's 11 ways to write better. I wanna show you how to write better, better whether it's your texts or blog posts, or you wanna write uh, the great American novel, uh, or you just wanna improve your business emails. I believe the rising tide lifts all boats. And I'll show you how to write better over at howtowritebetter.org. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Come see one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash minimalists, And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com you'll also receive our simple sunday emails each week. By the way, if you want to get our monday morning minimal maxims texted right to your phone, send us a, a text 9372024654. Just text an emoji of the thing you got rid of most recently or just text a smiley face there. We'll add you to our monday morning minimal maxims each week. We start your week off with a bit of simplicity, never any spam, never any junk. Never any advertisements, obviously. But uh, if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
1: Say. shelter and risk It's always a simple truth You're my measure body just I, I've never been better than this, moment here with you, in the weather it's shelter and risk, it's always a same truth.